Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful week thus far and have had a great weekend. Uh, it is Sunday, so we're glad to be back. Justin, how was your week? Your birthday was uh, last weekend, so how did that all go? Uh, it was nice and relaxing. I took a lazy day for my birthday. I was like, you know what? Screw this. No more work for a day. Um, but uh, it was good. Uh, 40s, just another year. Uh, and looking back at how long we've been doing this, it's kind of interesting that at 40, when we started when I was, see, so we started in 2018. So that was, mm -mm. Or I'm sorry, 2008. Sorry. Hey, you're pulling me. Like, I, yeah. I'm the one who messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started in 2008, and so that was 13 years ago. Um, so I would have been 27. Mm-hmm. Crazy um, to think 13, 13 years. Uh, and for those of you who haven't read or seen our post uh this last week we've actually just hit our seven year mark uh last yeah. weekend for parachute radio so that's pretty exciting lucky number seven it's kind of crazy to think about because the time has flown by so fast like i, I look back at some yeah. of these episodes we've done and i'm like man that was six years ago that's crazy because i remember like it was yesterday yeah and we've gone through uh one attempt at a network we are on our second and this one's been much more successful um i expanded into another show we have let's see one two three four five shows on new lantern media um and we've we've got a lot of stuff going on so it's yeah, it's been a long run, man. I think this is the longest yeah. we've ever gone for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, early on, it was a lot of learning. You know, uh, when we first started, I mean, anyone who listened to Night Stalkers would remember yeah. how messy it was. Uh, and of course, you know, things happened and we decided to go our separate ways and try our own thing. And eventually that crashed. And a couple of years later, we decided to jump back into Paratruth or start up Paratruth. And here we are. Uh, but I guess sometimes you got to be ran through the ringer before you get something good and smooth to come out on the other side, right? Um, well, I think back then we were, when we first started, we were both on the same page. And then when we did that cleansing and uh, came back to, to faith, um, I still had a, a different understanding than what you did. So you really learned a lot from us breaking apart and doing your own thing and just having a common respect and everything. You've grown so much from the time that we've started until now. I have too, but just to see you come back to faith, learn your lessons and not, not falter in your belief, but just come to an understanding of, okay, you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. I'm not going to convince you. You're not going to convince me type of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, all learning experiences. And, and that's, you know, that's the one thing I think uh, many podcasters or business developers or whatever you're doing out there or writing or doing some type of art, uh, you, you got to have patience and go through the trials, you know, 
Uh, if you don't take the time to go through those trials, then you never really push yourself to succeed uh, or better yourself in any way. So, you know, I, I think it's cool that both you and I going our separate ways, we both learned stuff on our own that we were able to come back, fix and uh, bring together for Paratruth. And that's why we've yep. had this long run for, for PTR. Uh, it's yep. just that learning experience. But with that said, uh, speaking of the long run, last week, uh, we, we decided to jump back to some older episodes and we talked about aliens and UFOs and, you know, alien races. That's, that's basically the idea. Uh, originally, we had planned to actually share some of the clips from audio clips from those episodes. I think we're like episode two and three. Um, right. So really early on in Pure Truth, uh, yeah. we're in the 200s. Uh, right now is so a crazy. This is 267, um, I believe. So insane. That's insane. Um, but yeah. So with that said, we we decided to do kind of the same thing today. Uh, we're not playing any audio clips, and the reason being is many of the audio clips back then were really bad. However, what's really cool about tonight's episode is that we are going to cover a topic uh, that has actually been one of our top most listened to episodes of all time on PTR. Uh, probably mm. top three, actually. So it's really exciting to be able to jump back and see what new things we've learned and what good old horrific things uh, can be told about this particular character. And that is of the goat man. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about sports here. We're not talking about the greatest of all time, man. Uh, we're talking about a monster. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Justin, I'm going to let you just take it off and tell us a little bit about this goat man. Yeah, so this is an urban legend that goes back. It went back further than what I had thought when we first did this research. Um, as far as we could tell back then, even now, uh, it went back to the 1950s. Uh, actually, if if you kind of look at folklore and um, ancient religions, uh, it can even go back as early as f 520 BC to Greek mythology. Uh, the satyr uh, is a creature that is pretty much the goat man, um, where it's got a head of a goat. Uh, sometimes more humanist, humanistic uh, traits of the face, sometimes not. Um, body of a man, legs of a goat. Uh, the satyr had more of a, a uh, horse's tail, though, but that could just all be due to description and what people believed and that sort of a thing. But um, if I'm not mistaken... The goat man went back to three separate states. Um, we had kind of figured out a fourth, which was Georgia, but there was only like one occurrence, if I'm not mistaken, right, Eric? Right. Yeah, you know, um, the, the goat man, it actually he, he does go, or at least he's mentioned through many states, uh, but the three that are primary uh, to his folklore is Maryland, Texas, and Louisiana. Those are where right. the most sightings have been. Uh, have taken place along with Virginia coming in number four. And there's actually a belief that in Virginia, there is a swamp that actually uh, houses or is home to a grand number of these goat men and various ghosts as well. Uh, now, of course, there isn't any actual evidence uh, in terms of the swamp. Uh, a lot of this is by word of mouth uh, or, you know, by, uh, Oh, what do they call it? By by people who have seen it. Um, eyewitness but nonetheless, accounts. Yes, eyewitness accounts. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I don't like to necessarily discredit eyewitness accounts. It's just frustrating sometimes because when you only have eyewitness accounts, then all we have is eyewitness accounts. So we have to trust somebody else's word uh, that it's truth. Uh, and then, you know, it Again, this is one of those things that we can do like the aliens or like ghosts as we can go out and investigate. Uh, but, you know, when, when you're restricted to a certain state and that goat man isn't in your state, well, it can be a little difficult and certainly expensive. Right. Well, and I mean, Ohio, pretty much every state has their their uh, 
urban legend cryptids. Um, now, the we'd say Louisiana, Maryland, and Texas, mm-hmm. but the Popelik monster uh, was from Louisville, Kentucky, right? Uh, I think so. Um, that's the, I, I looked it up, so that's kind of why I'm asking. It says Fisherville area near Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. So it's interesting that it doesn't come up in some, a lot of the other research. Um, but maybe it's, they kind of generalized with this because there that's where the most sightings were i believe was maryland texas and louisiana right that's where the the sightings were mostly i mean it's a lot like uh you know the dog man he's been seen or it has been seen uh through various states especially throughout the north uh but has really been noticed most prominently in michigan uh, followed by Wisconsin and Ohio, and then kind of spreads out from there uh, further Midwest, right. uh, and very little on the West Coast. Uh, and the South doesn't, you don't really see the dogman that often. Uh, but then in between there, we have werewolves as well. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, you know, it, it's all really based on, uh, on locale, and the locale changes, and so does the folklore. So we might even see something like a dog man in Texas, but that might not be a dog man. It might be a werewolf or it might be uh, some other type of dog-like or wolf-like cryptid that we haven't gotten a name for, haven't seen evidence for yet. Right. But they're all very generalized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something that I had found fascinating back when we first did this uh, and even more so now um is the fact that the Goatman, whether it's the Popelik monster, uh, the Goatman of Texas, um, I'm not really sure if it said for the other ones, for Maryland and Louisiana, but those two specifically are associated with old bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goatman of Texas haunts the old Alton Bridge, which is nicknamed the Goatman's Bridge for obvious reasons. And the Popelik monster... Uh, is called that because it uh, calls its home Popelik Train Trestle, uh, which is a train bridge, if you will. Um, And in both accounts for those, um, they lure their victims onto the trestle or or the bridge, um, either through voice mimicry or... uh, some say some type of hypnotism and then they're hit by a train. Um, now I didn't see anything on the Maryland or Louisiana ones as far as that type of thing. Did you come across that at all? No, no, nothing like that. Um, in fact, I didn't really come across much in terms of how the goat man lowers its, it's victims and it's very rare that I that anything shows up about him like luring them into a death that's caused by a third party such as a train uh in most cases the goat man is actually considered to be wielding an axe uh and that he goes around hacking his victims uh to death uh usually decapitating them uh and just leaving the bodies same way and not just people it actually started primarily with dogs uh, in Maryland, it was the animals that were roaming, the dogs that were roaming in the woods that would end up dead uh, and even hacked up. And later on, it was believed that he was also the the uh, the reason for up to 15 deaths uh, of humans uh, that have been officially, or I should say unofficially, uh, documented as a slaying by the goat man. Now, of course, these would be simply be uh, uh, unsolved deaths in this case. You know, I mean, they're just referring it to the goat man, but whether or not it's really a goat man that did any of this, we don't really know. There's no evidence. Right. So 
I'll go over some of these tales that are told about the Goat Man. Uh, one tale is that he was once a scientist who worked in the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. He was working on experiments using goats, and one day the experiment backfired and he was mutated into a half-goat creature, the Goat Man. Uh, another tale is that he was a goat farmer who went crazy and killed tons of teenagers after he figured out that they killed his goats. Uh, the more likely tale is that the Goatman legend was popularized in 1971 when a family came forward and blamed the brutal decapitation of their new puppy on the Goatman. The dog's head was found 14 years later. Uh, while the story of how he was created remains a mystery, the story what he does is the same across the board. He jumps onto cars and chops tires so that they can't get away. He then drags them into the forest, uh, his victims into the forest with him. Um, I went over the the Goat Man of Texas, Old Alton Bridge. Uh, the goat, this goat man arises from the tale of a black goat farmer who lived with his family on one side, the north side of the bridge. A few years after he moved there, he became known as a dependable and honest businessman. So North Texans started to call him the goat man. The farmer put a sign on the bridge that read this way to the goat man's local clansmen didn't like this and turned to violence. They kidnapped the farmer and hung a noose on old Alton Bridge, where they hung him. When they looked down to check that he had died, he was gone. The Klansmen then panicked and went back to the farmer's house, where they killed his wife and children. Locals now warn about of the people of this tale. Uh, they warn that if you cross the bridge with no headlights, the goat man will appear on the other side. People who have reported seeing strange lights and ghostly figures, as well as reports of being touched, grabbed, and having rocks thrown at them. Locals warn visitors not to mess with the goat man. Um, in that particular one, I almost feel that could be just an urban legend that the local locals are, are using as a way to scare people when they try and do this part of the urban legend, like with the rock throwing and whatnot. Um, and Maybe I'm wrong, but to to me that would be one way of debunking this is you know locals trying to just scare visitors. Sure, I mean it's very similar to Northeast Ohio's Helltown. Uh, you know, Helltown. We when you really get down to the history of it, there's some eerie things that happened or weird things at least. Uh, and of course, you know, I've been there, uh, especially when I was younger. I, I mean, I drive through there almost every day. Uh, but when I was younger, I'd go there and investigate. And there's some weird things that happen. You know, my sister was apparently chased out by some locals there. Uh, there these locals are chasing them in their truck, flashing the lights like crazy until my sister and her friends left. Uh, you know, I we parked at a church over there once and there were these ghostly prints on the windows. Now, of course, both can be debunked, um, you know, whether or not these whoever this was that chased my, my sister out uh, was actually part of this whole Helltown experience, you know, being that they might be satanic and not, not your typical satanic, but like uh, actual devil worshiping satanic, uh, which we can get into that some other time because I <laughs> and <recently> we have. <laughs> went through this whole thing. I, I didn't even reply, but there's this thing on Facebook. Somebody posted, uh, I mean, his book, book uh, yeah, move on. <laughs> I'm in his group for, for reading, uh, you know, just like a bookaholics group. Uh, mm -hmm. is what it's called and somebody posted a picture of the satanic i think it's a satanic bible they posted asking if anyone's read it and of course you had all these people especially christians going off like oh no that's of the devil blah 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 and this person was trying to explain but it's not of actual satan it's not a worship of satan but satan is a symbol in it and that's something i think not just christians but a lot of people don't quite understand because of Hollywood that has taken mm -hmm. Satanism and have created this uh, demonic, uh, I guess, this demonic story behind it, uh, you know, and 
it really depends on how you really consider how what you consider the freedom of self, uh, which is really what say, Satanism is, uh, the expression of freedom of self. And, you know, I think there's, that's something else maybe we'll cover one day. You know, it's interesting. I'm not going to go too far into this rabbit hole because, you know, we've been doing pretty Maybe good we can get holes. the author of that book to come on and yeah, really, because when, when we talked about you coming back to faith, even when you originally came back to faith, that's how you uh, thought of Satanism was the actual worship of Satan. And there's really more so satanic cults that do that, not Satanism, the religion, I guess you can call it. Right. Yeah, it, it, there is certainly a, a, a big difference between the two. And of course, we've had a certain somebody um, twice uh, right. who was part of a satanic cult uh, as opposed to the actual I don't know if you call it a religion or if, it, you know, they, they came claimed to not really have a faith per se. Uh, right. But, you know, anyway, I have no idea where I was going with that story because I went down the rabbit hole and took a wrong turn. <laughs> and now I don't know how to get back. <laughs> um, but. Oh, just that yeah, so, we were talking about people tricking Right, people are tricking, you know, yeah. and Helltown's one of those. Like when you really look at the history and you go through there now, it's just a normal town. I mean, yeah, it has its creepy factor here and there because there's nobody, like very rarely nobody or anybody right. is outside. There's homes, there's people that live there, but no one's ever outside. But it's a big kind of community center uh, because that's where the metro parks uh, and the uh, the national park kind of converge. So you have a lot of people there exploring. You know, and there's a little like little center there that you can go explore and buy stuff and whatnot. Uh, but it's got a rep, uh, like it's got a reputation. So and it, it's hard to really sift through the reputation and figure out what's real and what isn't, especially when the things that aren't real are much more publicized uh, than the things that are real. Right. So something I started to really think about with this, and I don't think we really got too in-depth with this uh, last time. I started to to kind of do some reach, research on the, the satire, um, and because it really, really reminded me of this legend from Greek mythology. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I'm huge into history and mythology. Uh, Greek and Roman mythology was one of my favorites. Um, and then you had the satyrs in the Greek and the fauns in, in the Roman. Same creatures, just different names, uh, different religions. But um, one of the things about the satyrs was they were very playful. They would love to um, guide people into the woods with their haunting music and not to kill them or purposefully get them lost or anything, but they, people would get lost following the satire. Um, so something that I had kind of thought about and leading up to this episode is, you know, we talk a lot about where do these things come from? Um, Dogman, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, um, any of the sea creatures that are in the lakes and, and rivers, um, Thunderbird. But, uh, you know, this legend goes back to 530 BC. What if the Goatman is a satyr or a couple of satyrs that migrated to the U.S. when people started migrating here and colonizing here? And maybe they went mad because they aren't with their clansmen back in Greece or Rome or wherever they're originally from. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting, interesting thought on that. But I mean, something you had brought up on the last, uh, the last time we did this, uh, was one of the, one of the, the legends is that a scientist either created this thing in a lab, worked on himself, and became this creature. Um, and you... 
I started listening to the episode. Um, you really got into how that would, you know, how would that even be possible? First off, secondly, um, we then we get into playing God, and there's so much stuff in the Bible about how, example, the Tower of Babel fell, and it was because we were trying to defy God. Um, but something that I found very interesting, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, Eric, um, there's a new series on Netflix called Sweet Tooth. Mm, oh, yes, I'm watching it. Okay. I I finished it, so I won't ruin okay. it for you if you okay, haven't finished it, it yet. <laughs> um, but... Um, and, and there's been this stuff in the past where uh, there's supposedly these human-animal hybrid embryos that are in Sweden, I believe. Um, they call them the chim- chimera embryos. And now we have this series coming out. I-, I know it's based on a comic book. But what if we're starting to be led to believe that they're really this could really happen because the the premise of sweet tooth is about a uh virus that ends up killing a lot of humanity and also supposedly creating these human animal hybrids right yeah now i don't I mean- personally ever get into you know, conspiracy theories, but I saw that and I started thinking about all this. I'm like, I really don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but what if we're being conditioned <laughs> to be okay with this? Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, this, the, you're right. It goes into more of a conspiracy theory type of thing here. And of course there's plenty of people out there who are all for this conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> who are like, yes, absolutely. Justin, you're on the right page. You're doing good. Uh, but you know, again, I mean, there's very little evidence that something like that can be created a half right. animal, half human hybrid right. only because the genes, those genes, uh, the genetics, they wouldn't blend together. Right. So the, it would, I mean, I would think that at some point, uh, somebody will find a way to possibly reconstruct the genome for both the animal and and humans and be able to make them uh link together properly uh with almost perfect almost perfectly uh you know and that's kind of a scary thought when you think about it because you don't really know what the overall outcome is Uh, obviously in the show we see a number of different versions of what these hybrids look like uh and they by the way they're if you guys haven't seen it they're just called hybrids really that's what they're Mm -hmm. mainly referred to uh, and there are various types. There are some that look more human and some that look way more animal. Uh, but the idea is that they still have human qualities uh, to some extent. And I think that's kind of what would happen in real life, too, is you'd get some that are much more animal and some that are much more human. And you can't really control the outcome of one or the other. And the problem with that is, one, I mean, obviously, there's red flags everywhere. Just the fact that you're combining animal and human DNA, uh, but also what type of creature do you create or what happens when you use something that's, uh, let's say, a, a lethal predator in the animal kingdom with a human? Like, what happens when you create, if you were to create something that's like part tiger and part human? I mean, a tiger isn't a docile creature. It doesn't really want to be trained. Yes, they're trained. Some, you know, you find them trained, but they can turn on you any moment. And I think that's the right. one, one of the many factors uh, that could be a really, really big issue. Uh, but then the and other then thing is... And then mix in like, human intelligence. Right. Yeah, you know, so it's... I mean, as it is, there's already humans out there that act like animals uh, in the sense <laughs> yeah. that they're more so instinct run, uh, right. not emotional. Uh, people who are sociopaths can be considered more animalistic because uh, animals, most animals, not all animals, uh, tend to be a little less emotional and focus more on, you know, what, what's happening around them and they react uh, to what's happening. You know, that's how they live their lives. 
Uh, not that all sociopaths do that, but let's face it, majority of serial killers out there have been sociopaths uh, right. for a reason. The lack of emotion, the lack of, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess just, I can't think of the word, but a, a lack of really knowing and understanding, knowing and understanding or caring what's right and what's wrong. Um, conviction, lack of conviction. That's the word I'm looking for. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's an interesting subject and definitely something to think about. But there's so many, so many red flags, I think. Uh, if that were to ever become real, there'd be so many issues with it. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I write about that in, in my science fiction writing. And mm-hmm. um, it's not an uncommon idea. I mean, it goes back no. a long ways. But Well, the question, yeah, no, you're right. It's not an uncommon idea. Um in overall retrospect, uh, it's an interesting subject, but it's a very political one. Because if you were to create half human, half animal hybrid, hybrid, then what is it? Is it an animal? Is it a human? Does it have human mm. rights, or does it have only the rights that animals have? Does that mean they right. can be hunted, or do they are they protected? You know, that's the type of issue that you run into amongst so many others. Right. All right. Anything else that you? came across for the goat man um that i haven't really touched on or or covered uh not particularly again you know when we were doing the research on this there wasn't too much new information and that's because the sightings have kind of died down over the years for some reason um it's really weird how that happens you know sometimes they just kind of sink below the radar and then later on they'll kind of pop back up uh same thing happens with book fit you know we'll go through a certain stint in which uh, we might have a few weeks or a month or two or three where it's all about Bigfoot. And then all of a sudden it just kind of dies out depending on the season. Uh, one thing I did want to mention though, you had said it early on in the episode was the idea that uh, these goat men tend to hang out around bridges. Mm-hmm. And that, that got me thinking because when you look at folklore, there are a lot of creatures that tend to hang out around bridges, uh, not just this goat man but there's also have been a types of giants or elves uh, that live near them. Uh, gremlins that live near them. Uh, trolls. trolls, especially that live near bridges. And I started wondering like, what is the reason it ghosts? So there's a lot of bridges that are haunted mm-hmm. Crybaby bridge. There's a crybaby bridge here in Ohio. There's a crybaby bridge in, uh, in Maryland, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are a number of haunted bridges throughout the country and you have to start to wonder why is it only because, uh, people tend to do dumb things by these bridges, and that's why they're haunted. The Crybaby Bridge, uh, that's the story of a woman who killed her children, threw them over the bridge uh, into the river. Um, the other thing that's noted here, though, is that many of these bridges tend to reach over water. They extend over water. And, you know, in our research, and, and we've brought this up numerous times, especially when, when we're talking about uh, some old witch uh, witch tales, a uh, good old folklore on witches about how they can't cross moving water due to whatever uh, the energy field there. Uh, yeah, they say that about vampires. Um, right. Some places say that about ghosts as well. Yeah, and the the thing that you know, I, I find at least for me when I'm thinking about it, like water is a conductor. Like water can be used to conduct electricity. Water can be used to conduct a number of different energies and it has its own energy field. And I think the faster that water moves, the more that energy is produced. And so ghosts tend to hang out on these bridges because of the amount of energy that this water is releasing. Produced. Positive ions, uh, you know, much like, a, or the negative ions, even think of a thunderstorm. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. Why do mm-hmm. uh, hauntings seem to appear more often or, or make themselves more known during a thunderstorm? And it's because of all the negative ions in the atmosphere uh, from the lightning that are giving mm-hmm. off this energy. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought it was really weird that this goat man was hanging out by a bridge. And it's very possible that it could be uh, the simple fact that it's this energy source uh metaphysically if anything or even there's been talk that 
when you cross a river, you can particularly cross into a, another realm, uh, you know, depending on, on, on the type of things you do prior, uh, you know, that whether it's a certain, uh, we'll just call it a spell or a certain ritual uh, that you can conduct before walking over that can take you into another dimension on the other side. You know, I, I think the bridge is a very, obviously it's a physical representation of something that's real, a bridge, but it's also a figurative representation of what uh, it can take you to on the other side. And we're always in the paranormal community talking about these bridges between one world and another, whether physical or spiritual. Right. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, you will hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we will be... Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Everyone loves the new car smell. But did you know that the scent is actually of dozens of chemicals? According to bestlifeonline.com, there are few odors as pleasing as new car smell. And not just because it's nice to be in a brand new car. But while the scent may be strangely satisfying, the fact is that it's pretty much just a combination of 50-plus chemicals known as volatile organic compounds, which are released into the car and decay quickly over time. The concentrations found in a typical new car aren't dangerous, but among the VOCs that make up much of that new car smell are those found in nail polish, auto fuel, and petroleum. <laughs> spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. C go away. Go I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Hey everybody, welcome back to Parachute Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we were taking a little blast from the past and talking about the Goat Man. Uh, now, as we've already said, there isn't too much different from our previous episode in terms of overall detailed information on the Goat Man. This is one of those cryptids that was very popular uh, back around 2000 and well, actually, I think it's probably closer to 2013 when we did that episode, uh, maybe 2014. Well, 2014 and is when we started Paratruth. Okay, so and it, must it have been was episode 76 is when we did the Goatman. So 2015, episode. probably. Yeah. Um, that would make sense because I couldn't remember if I was in school or not, but I do recall being in the basement early on before I had my equipment set up. 
using my laptop. So that would make sense. Um, so not too much more information from what we shared in that particular episode in terms of what the goat man is or who it might be. Uh, the one thing I don't think we really talked about back then was whether or not the goat man could be a spiritual entity. Now in the evidence uh, from the research, it is pretty much straightforward that the goat man is not a spiritual creature. It is a physical one that can be harmed. Uh, you know, there's obviously many creatures that people believe you can just hurt with a silver bullet, for example, or a stake to the heart. Uh, this is one of those creatures that is considered actually not supernatural, uh, unnatural, but not supernatural, uh, mm. which means, you know, based on what we've told you, this could be a scientific creation. It could be an actual living animal that is kind of either gone extinct or has just is high in hiding. We don't really know. Uh, but I think it's pretty rare that we talk about a, a creature that is actually not supernatural and yet in all likelihood, or at least appears to be supernatural to some extent. Right. Right. Well, I, I mean, and, and that's kind of where you have to really look at the, the depictions and the, uh, witness accounts and stuff like that and ask yourself, I, I mean, really what happened to this creature from the time we did that episode until today, there have been no new sightings, no new um, evidence coming out. Uh, you know, they, um, there was this picture on a trail cam, supposedly of a goat man uh, that we had used for our original thumbnail for this, for the episode. Um, something that I found fascinating, I brought it up to you, Eric, before we started the episode, and I didn't bring it up until uh, just now, is that uh, in Louisiana, some people believe that the goat man is related to uh, a creature known as the grunch, which is a chupacabra-like cryptid. Um, and I thought we could probably do a full episode on this because there will probably be some good... Uh, some good research on it. Mm -hmm. But what if these creatures are in some, I mean, not just Chupacabra and Goatman, but uh, Wolfman, or I'm sorry, uh, Dogman, um, Bigfoot. What if they're all kind of related? They all come from a subspecies of, of humanity. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally possible. I mean, even when you consider, uh, things that don't exist anymore. Look at the dinosaurs. You know, I mean, <laughs> you would think if we didn't have the skeletons that they would just be folklore. Uh, I knew right. somebody who actually doesn't even believe dinosaurs existed. He thinks all the skeletons we find are just fakes uh, that people are creating <laughs> and, and putting up. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I can see that type of conspiracy, that type of theory, because we don't have any actual physical evidence aside from the skeleton. And, and unless you find it yourself, you never really know. Um, right. but yeah, you know, I mean, we know dinosaurs existed. There is a belief that dinosaurs existed alongside humans. There's another belief that they existed millions of years before humans, uh, and didn't coincide with them at all. Um, and if that's the case, who's to say there wasn't another type of creature living in between, between the dinosaurs and the humans, you know, that also went extinct, maybe during the ice age, who knows, uh, or even during a flood. The Great Flood, that is historical fact. Uh, you know, we, we just don't know the answer to that question. But is it possible? Right. Well, so really what it, it boils down to as far as is this creature real or not? Is it spiritual or physical? Without having the evidence to support a physical creature my mind always goes to either it was something spiritual in nature. Uh, it, it, maybe it was a, a negative entity. Uh, maybe there really was a goat man and uh, it was killed and now it haunts these different areas. Um, or is it just a, uh, what's the word, uh, misidentification of mm -hmm. something? 
And that's kind of where my mind goes. I would love to believe that Goatman, uh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, uh, all these creatures are real, but like you said with the dinosaurs, without physical evidence, and I know there are Bigfoot researchers out there yelling, we've got scat, we've got hair. Okay, but all that really comes down to is um, undecisive evidence. They can't pinpoint it to a species, which in a lot of people's minds points to a species that hasn't been discovered yet. But um, there is no skeleton. There is no uh, body. There is no zoo with these creatures in them. Right. So really, where does your your opinion fall when it comes to at least the goat man? Uh, I mean, it's a tough one, but I think it probably has to be uh, really dealt up to just folklore or misidentification. Um, You know, many of these places that this this creature supposedly lives uh, tend to have bear, uh, black bear, even grizzly bear in some of the Western uh, states where it has been seen, uh, that could be misidentification, especially if you're at a good distance. Uh, And there have also been people who've come forward with photo evidence that later on claim that the evidence is faked. There are people wearing costume. So I'm not saying that everyone is faking this, but I, you know, as we've said in the past, and this has to do, I know we say that a lot because we've been on air forever. So there's a lot of things we've said in the past. Uh, but this goes back to the idea that um, there is a type of, what's the word we use? It was like a mass um, hysteria. Yeah, mass hysteria or a mass illusion. Uh, oh. it, it goes, it's very similar to the Slender Man. You know, you get an mm. idea behind something scary, and the more people start to believe in it, the more the creature spreads and the more people see it. And that's not to say that the creature's real. But when people have it in their mind, whether they believe it real or not, the eyes can play tricks on them uh, because the brain automatically is has the idea of, in this case, a goat man on the mind. So you could see little things uh, and believe it to be a goat man when in reality, maybe it's just a tree or maybe it's an actual animal, a deer, for example. I've seen deer on their hind legs standing up on trees. They don't look like deer when they're silhouettes. Like it's a creepy image. Uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, that's one thing to definitely consider. And I think that's most likely what's happening in this case. Uh, A lot of misidentification, especially since there's zero evidence, uh, for any factual creature. Right. So the one thing I do have to say, uh, before we start wrapping it up is if you do want to do investigations on this, I, of course, support investigations because it is a scientific way of trying to debunk things, but make sure you're being careful when you're doing an investigation. It doesn't even have to be with the goat man. Uh, it could be any investigation that you're doing paranormal, uh, uh, like ghost hunting, um, or cryptid hunting, I guess you could call it. Uh, make sure you know your surroundings, make sure you're being very safe and very careful. Uh, Make sure that you have a light source of some kind to back up to. I know a lot of people like to do it in the dark. I completely understand that. Eric and I have talked about that a lot on Paratruth Radio and outside of Paratruth Radio. But uh, it's not worth your life to get the evidence. Either be safe and get the evidence or let's, let's just not go that distance because it in the end you're you're really not gonna have somebody to review that evidence if you die and nobody knew why you were out there in the first place true anything further from you no sir all right all right so that's all we've got for goat man um i hope you enjoyed the episode the recap um definitely check out the first episode episode 76 um, I, I think that uh, this was a, a good uh, partnering of for that episode. If you like this episode, check that episode out because I thought we did 
an awesome job with that. And apparently other people did do because like Eric said, it was one of our most listened to episodes. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the people around the world that listened to Pear Truth Radio. Uh, Eric and I were kind of doing some digging into who listens to New Lantern Media, but specifically Pear Truth Radio. And, uh, you know, we've got fans from all over the world. We've got people in India listening to us, uh, mostly the United States. We've got people listening in Canada, the UK, Australia, France, Brazil, Mexico, Ireland, Puerto Rico, Russia, Germany, Hungary, Sweden, Croatia, Saudi Arabia, Kenya, Netherlands, Denmark, Spain, Turkey, Czechia, Colombia, Austria, Vietnam, and someplace called Other. So if you like Paratruth Radio, make sure you're sharing it with everybody that you know. Um, it, it amazes me how fast our listenership has come over the seven years we've been on air. Uh, believe it or not, and it baffled me, India is second to the United States, which is amazing to me. Uh, so if you are an India listener, give us a shout out. Tell us who you are. Uh, tell us what you'd want to hear on Paratruth Radio. Do you want to hear more, more of your folklore or your cryptids? Uh, we would love to dig into that and know more about other parts of the world as well. Um, make sure you're tuning in to all the shows on Paratruth Radio, which is, or I'm sorry, New Lantern Media, which is Paratruth Radio, uh, Beyond Reason, Paranormal Heart, Let's Talk About It, and The Truth Fox. So... Until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.